0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Unanswered Questions True Crime Podcast. I have spent hours and hours investigating this. He basically told her that people have been killed, journalists, independent investigators, people like that, disappeared. It frightened her to the bone. There's more to the story than meets the eye. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous, Crimes. He was polygraphed three times. Each of those three showed evasions. His resumes were a skeleton of truth. He was mad at the world and particularly mad at the government. A study that he commissioned that described a fictional terrorist attack. If people have died over this means you're getting close to the truth. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say, what the fuck? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we will endeavor to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, leave me some feedback on what you think about the show and rate it as well. Now, on to the show. This week we'll be talking about the South Canterbury finance scandal. Now, South Canterbury Finance was New Zealand's largest locally owned finance company when it collapsed in August 2010, triggering a $1.6 billion bailout of investors' deposits by the New Zealand government. Almost $1 billion was recovered by receivers. Now we're going to talk about Alan Hubbard. Alan James Hubbard, QSO, born the 23rd of March 1928 and died on the 2nd of September 2011, was a businessman who lived in Timaru in the South Island of New Zealand and was the founder of South Canterbury Finance, New Zealand's largest locally owned finance company. In 2006, the New Zealand listener described Hubbard as the most powerful businessman in the South Island. Hubbard was listed on the New Zealand Listener Power List from 2005 through to 2007, and he was listed on the Primary Sector Power List at number 4 in 2009. Hubbard had significant interests in dairy farming, irrigation systems, finance and helicopters. He was one of three directors of Dairy Holdings Limited which in 2007 owned 57 dairy units and 10 grazing blocks in the South Island. In the 2006-2007 season, Dairy Holdings Limited milked 44,000 cows on 16,120 hectares and produced 14.3 million kilograms of milk solids now we're going to talk about Hubbard's early life. Hubbard was born in 1928 in Dunedin. His parents lived with five children in a three-bedroom Dunedin North cottage with no electric lighting. In the Depression, his father was an unemployed plumber who had to plant pine seedlings on a work scheme. Hubbard's first job was on a Terrieri Plains dairy farm. He then worked as a clerk for trustees' executors while studying part-time for a school certificate, university entrance, and an accountancy degree from the universities of Otago and Canterbury. In 1953, he and Gene Hubbard, who had been a fellow student at Otago, moved to Timaru, where he did bookkeeping for the Craighead School while establishing the accounting firm Hubbard Churcher. In the mid-1950s, he provided the backing for Dow Shares and Helicopters New Zealand Limited. Also in the 1950s, Hubbard gained control of South Canterbury Finance, a small-time lender to local businesses and households. In 1962, Hubbard bought a dairy farm. Hubbard, however, could not distinguish between entrepreneurial skill and luck, and being a custodian of other people's money. If you asked him to put $10,000 into Air New Zealand shares for you, he might instead lend it to himself to buy a dairy farm. Allen felt as long as he gave you $20,000 cash back, you hadn't lost anything, and there was no law broken. He was also a very bad money lender and a big risk taker. He didn't care about wealth, he cared about power, and he cared about being a hero. He liked being seen as the Warren Buffett of Timaru. To create that image, he took some horrendous risks. An example was the Blenheim venture that thought it could solve Hepatitis C. Eventually the company failed, and Hubbard lost South Canterbury Finance's $10 million investment in the company. The year before his death in a car crash, he showed Lee the cash flows he had thought he could generate and put back. He was assuming hundreds of millions in royalties from that investment and Hepatitis C cure. Well, it wasn't even a proven drug, yet in his mind, that was going to recapitalize Sal Canterbury Finance. Not a dollar was returned on the Lord of the Rings investment either. Hubbard claimed to be mystified by the losses, but his due diligence had been non-existent. Now, as I understand it, he was approached and asked about investing in the Lord of the Rings movie franchise, which was a huge success, making billions of dollars in revenue, and being one of the most successful movie trilogies of all time. Now, Alan Hubbard is said to have invested $10 million with the promise of making all of his money back, and then some. However, as I understand it, the Hollywood accountants did some creative accounting with the paperwork, and Alan Hubbard was told that he wasn't going to be getting any money back at all. I mean, it got to the point where Alan Hubbard, who was very angry about being ripped off, wanted to get on the board of directors in Hollywood and argue about getting his money back, but he was eventually talked out of doing so. Now we're going to get into the history of South Canterbury Finance. In 1926, South Canterbury Finance Limited started as a small-time lender to local businesses and households in the South Canterbury town of Timaru. It was then named South Canterbury Loan and Finance, and it specialised in small personal loans. Alan Hubbard bought South Canterbury Finance in either the 1950s or in 1960. Lee says that Hubbard and Hugo Fanning established South Canterbury Acceptances and South Canterbury Credit Corp by 1960. They acquired South Canterbury Finance SCF, by 1963, from a group of businessmen, including a member of the Todd family. In 1964, Hubbard bought Fanning out, becoming the sole owner. The originally modest company began to achieve real size after buying Canterbury Finance from Humphrey Ralston in 1986 in return for a 23% holding in Southbury Group, the owner of an SCF and Hubbard's other assets. Holston and Hubbard established a series of regional finance companies, and Ralston left SCF in 2004. By 1992, South Canterbury Finance had become New Zealand's 10th largest finance company and in 1992, it was the 7th largest. Hubbard was considered the driving force behind the company's growth as it ultimately became the largest financial institution in the South Island. By the late 2000s, South Canterbury Finance had 35,000 investors and its assets were considered to be worth almost 2 billion New Zealand dollars. South Canterbury Finance owned 13 companies including fruit packaging and warehousing company Scales Corporation, Helicopter and Tourism Business Helicopters NZ, and a third shareholding in Dairy Holdings Limited, New Zealand's largest dairy farming group. Now we get into its lending practices. Despite its reputation as a South Island rural lender, South Canterbury Finance had made loans to property development throughout New Zealand, Australia and Fiji. On the 30th of June 2009, property loans were $414.2 million. Real estate lending represented 207 loans with an average net loan value of $1.15 million. Further, 37% of lending was secured by second or lower-ranking mortgages. There were 10 property loans greater than $10 million. For some lending, the interest was capitalised into the loan debt, so borrowers did not have to immediately fund interest payments. One example of a bad property investment was Oak Ridge Resort, the largest resort in Wanaka. In September of 2009, Oak Ridge went into receivership after a default on loan payments for a collapsed 48 villa, 25 hectare development. SCF was owed millions of dollars because of this. As of December 2009, SCF had $1.55 billion of deposits and dimptures, which were guaranteed under the government's Crown Retail Deposit Guarantee Scheme until October 2010. Rating agency Standard & Poor's stated that SCF had urgent problems to tackle, and it moved SCF from negative credit watch to a BP plus credit rating. South Canterbury Finance appointed Corporate Recovery Specialist Sandy Mayer as Chief Executive with a brief to to restructure the finance company and its loan book now we get into the collapse of south canterbury finance in august of 2009 south canterbury finance announced a net loss after tax of nz 67.8 million dollars for the year ended on the 30th of june 2009 and reported that it had been in breach of lending covenants standard Poor's downgraded scf's credit rating from triple b minus to double b plus by May of 2010, Perpetual Preferences shares in FCS with a face value of $1, which were not covered by the Government Retail Deposits Guarantee Scheme, were trading at $0.30, cents, reflecting a high perceived risk of default. On the 31st of August 2010, South Canterbury Finance asked its trustees to place it in receivership after negotiations over a recapitalisation deal failed. At that time, South Canterbury Finance owned depositors as much as NZ $1.7 billion and owned assets valued at a approximately 1.9 billion New Zealand dollars, including subsidiary companies and property development, vehicle leasing and insurance. The government immediately paid out to all 35,000 investors and paid them exactly 1.6 billion New Zealand dollars under the Retail Deposit Guarantee Scheme. Alan Hubbard was reported as blaming the government and the other South Canterbury finance directors for the receivership, as the directors had sidelined him and the government had placed him in a statutory management. Former Chief Executive Sandy Mayer stated that FCF's collapse was caused by excessive debt, poor risk management, unnecessary complexity, poor governance and a too-big-to-fail attitude. Mayer said the global financial crisis accentuated some of these problems but had not caused South Canterbury Finance's collapse. In November of 2008, CF was accepted into the New Zealand Deposit Guarantee Scheme. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the Crown Deposit Guarantee Scheme and what exactly it was. So, the Crown Retail Deposit Guarantee Scheme was an opt-in deposit insurance scheme established under the Public Finance Act of 1989 in New Zealand during the Great Recession in 2008-2011. to 2011. Dr. Michael Cullen, Finance Minister at the time of the scheme's introduction, said, quote, The deposit scheme is designed to give assurance to New Zealand depositors. The New Zealand banking system remains sound. We want to ensure that ordinary New Zealanders feel that their deposits are safe in the current uncertain international financial market conditions. End quote. the scheme guaranteed that the new zealand government would repay those who lost money and failed financial institutions it was implemented on the 12th of october 2008 administered by treasury and the reserve bank and at its height resulted in crown guarantees of over 133 billion dollars 96 institutions were covered by the scheme 16 non-bank deposit takers 12 banks and 24 collective investment schemes all guarantees had ended by december of 2011 Now we come to the finance company failures and bailouts. Nine finance companies out of the 30 accepted into the scheme collapsed. This resulted in the Crown bailing out investors, paying $2 billion to more than 42,000 depositors. The three largest bailouts were of South Canterbury Finance Limited, Allied Nationwide Finance Limited, and Equitable Mortgages Limited. In June 2010, Alan Hubbard stood down as chairman of South Canterbury Finance and was replaced by Bill Bayless. On the 31st of August 2010, South Canterbury Finance asked its trustee to place it in receivership after negotiations over a recapitalisation deal failed. The government immediately paid out investors $1.6 billion New Zealand dollars under the government's retail deposit guarantee scheme. Alan Hubbard was reported blaming the government and the other South Canterbury Finance directors for the receivership as the directors had sidelined him and the government had placed him in statutory management. Now we're going to get into the statutory management of South Canterbury Finance. On the 20th of June 2010, the New Zealand government placed Alan Hubbard, his wife, Jean Hubbard, and his business, Aragony Securities, and Seven Charitable Trust into statutory management, with Trevor Thornton and Richard Simpson of Grant Thornton New Zealand Limited appointed as statutory managers. This decision was based on recommendations from the Securities Commission of New Zealand after a complaint from an investor. Alan Hubbard established Aragoni Securities Limited in 1974. The directors were Alan and Margaret Hubbard and the share capital was owned by another Hubbard-owned company, Forrester's Nominee Company Limited. Aragoni had operated as a finance company, having raised $98 million from 407 investors living in Otago and Canterbury and making loans of approximately $134 million to borrowers. The review of the Securities the Commission concluded that many of the loans were inadequately documented and appeared to be unsecured and contrary to instructions from investors. The Serious Fraud Office initiated an investigation for fraud. The news was met with disbelief in his hometown of Timaru and elsewhere in the South Island where Hubbard was seen as a pillar of the community. There was widespread support for Alan Hubbard and a rally was held for him on the 26th of June 2010 in Timaru, attended by thousands of people who protested against the investigation. In June 2010, supporters of Alan Hubbard started a campaign to clear his name. In July 2010, the statutory managers reported that Alan Hubbard also controlled an additional business that they may not have been aware of when appointed. This was Hubbard Funds Management, an investment management business estimated to be worth $70 million. It had inadequate accounting records consisting of a handwritten cash book and journals maintained by Mr Hubbard. In September of 2010, two further companies related to Hubbard's Funds Management, Hubbard Churcher Trust Management Limited and Forrest's Nominee Company Limited, were also placed under statutory management. On the 11th of May 2011, Alan and Jean Hubbard filed judicial review proceedings in the Tamaru High Court to challenge the decision to place them into statutory management. Two other assessments of the statutory management were also released in September of 2011. On the 6th of September 2011, Kerry Grass released a report to the government, Business Businessman Turboran also provided a report on the statutory management. After an independent review of the statutory management organised by the Registrar of Companies, Jean Hubbard was released from statutory management on the 11th of November 2011. In May of 2012, statutory managers Grant Thornton, New Zealand Limited, reported that investors in Hubbard Management Funds were owed $82 million and the fund was valued at $44.8 million. Grant Thornton asked the High Court to decide how to distribute the fund given the lack of a prospectus and given that the largely fictional investor statements had not been reconciled to investment assets for three years. In October 2015, statutory managers Grant Thornton reported paying out 99% of the money investors put into Aragone Securities Limited and all of the money originally put in by investors to Hubbard management funds. This led critics to question whether statutory management had been necessary or if the right approach had been taken by the statutory managers during the period of administration. Now we come to the Serious Fraud Office investigation. On the 20th of June 2011, the Serious Fraud Office announced that it had laid 50 charges of alleged fraud under sections 220, 242 and 260 of the Crimes Act against Alan Hubbard in the Timaru District Court. On the 9th of September 2011, the Timaru District Court made an order permanently staying the prosecution of Alan James Hubbard in light of Mr Hubbard's death. Now we come to the Serious Fraud Office charges, and we're going to go more in depth into what those charges actually were. So, on the 7th of December 2011, the Serious Fraud Office laid 21 charges against five individuals in respect of South Canterbury Finance. The charges relate to a variety of allegedly fraudulent transactions, which have a total estimated value of approximately $1.7 billion. This includes an estimated $1.58 billion from the Crown Retail Deposits Guarantee Scheme. The charges include entering the Crown guarantee scheme by deception, omitting to disclose a related party loan of $64.185 million from SCF to Southbury Group and Woolpack Holdings, failing to disclose related party loans of $19.1 million from SCF to Shark Wholesalers, and breaching the crown guarantee scheme by lending $39 million to Quadrant Holdings Limited. The five accused are former South Canterbury Finance Chief Executive Lockie McLeard, former South Canterbury Finance directors Edward oral Sullivan, a lawyer with Raymond Sullivan McLeod and Robert Alexander White, former Chief Financial Officer of South Canterbury Finance, Graham Brown, and Timaru Chartered Accountant Terry Hutton, formerly of Hubbard and Churcher. The alleged offences include theft by a person in a special relationship, obtaining by deception, false statements by a promoter of a company, and false accounting. All five defendants denied the charges leading up to the trial. Charges against Brown and Hutton were withdrawn. After a trial lasting five months on October 14th of 2014, the Timaru High Court handed down verdicts on the three defendants who stood trial. Robert White and Lockie Mcleod were found not guilty on all charges, while Edward Sullivan was found guilty on five charges he faced and not guilty on four other charges. Now we come to subsequent events. In 2017, CapEye shareholder Chris Lee investigated the possibility of legal claims by investors to be funded by an Australian litigation funding company, but these have not eventuated. In 2017, the High Court ruled that former investors would receive more than $9.4 million from the proceeds of Alan Hubbard's estate. In 2019, CapEye shareholder Chris Lee wrote a book, The Billion Dollar Bonfire, criticising the sale of SCF assets by the receivers as a fire sale and asking why overseas these offers were not taken up. Hubbard died as a result of an Omeru car crash. After being stabilised at Omeru Hospital, he died in a short helicopter ride while being transferred from the hospital to Dunedin Hospital on the 2nd of September 2011. In February 2012, the Omeru police charged a 40-year-old man with careless driving, causing death and injury, and he was found guilty in August 2013. On unanswered questions. Cynthia Elizabeth James Nehack, born June 12th of 1994 and died on June 2nd to June 8th of 1989, was a Canadian nurse who disappeared from Richmond, British Columbia on the May 25th of 1989. She was found deceased approximately two weeks later in the yard of an abandoned house, hogtied and with a nylon stocking wrapped around her throat.